And uh, from testimony from Matthew, the devil was not pleased with what was happening in New Guinea. <laughs> and you can be sure that if you get fired for the Lord and want to do his work, that there'll be opposition. And uh, Paul said, many adversaries, many adversaries. And so, praise the Lord, the work of the Lord was done. <laughs> even though the adversary was trying to work against that. And this, this morning, is what we're looking at, the battle of the ages. And as we've finished the book of Revelation, we're just taking a few verses that point the battle of the ages. Last week, we were looking not at a battle, but the invitation, the greatest invitation, come unto me. The spirit bride say, come. Everyone that heareth say, come. Today, we go back into chapter 20 and verse uh, 10, the verse that was read a little bit earlier there about the seizing of Satan and him being cast into hell forever and ever. We read also the beginning where Satan was tempting mankind. That was the end and the beginning, the Alpha and Omega of what's going to happen to him. We're going to look this morning, we're not covering the whole topic today, but just historically at the battle of the ages from the beginning where sin started until the cross and just briefly cover different things of how this battle has raged and as you read through the bible and if you're familiar with the scriptures you'll as you read through you'll you'll pick points out these are these are highlights these are main points where satan and we won't pick on them all we won't draw them all out there are many many in the old testament where satan who is constantly trying to hinder and stop the saints from doing the work, God's work on earth, and trying to dissuade us and persuade us otherwise to go in his way. The majority of this world, he's got on his side. We're a minority, a very small minority of believers. And so we look at the battle of the ages. This morning in our, the adult class, Brother Troy was going through the armor that we are to wear as Christians in Ephesians chapter 6. And so it's appropriate that we um, further the thought. And that'll be in a couple of weeks' time where we go into the present, not the historical, but presently what Satan is doing. And then we'll go into prophetically what he's going to do. Lord willing, cover those two points in one sermon. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one that will win the victory. You have won the victory at the cross. You've been crucified, you've been buried, and you rose again. And you're now seated at the right hand of the Father on high, interceding for believing people. Lord, bless the word today. We know that Satan does not want to be exposed, his tactics, his methods, his ways in the past so that people are ignorant of his devices and we're not to be as Christians. We're instructed, Lord, to be wise to what he's up to. Wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Lord, give us that ability to be able to do that in our Christian life. But Lord, let us not be in the dark concerning what Satan might be doing, what he is doing, what he has done. Lord, we do pray for Brother Andrew and his family, his mum and dad and brother and other sister that you lord would undertake in this very trying time of losing one of the loved ones lord we we well some of us have been through that here 
but most of us haven't, of losing one in an accident. And we pray, Lord, that they might be undergirded by you as they believe on you. And if, Lord, they need to understand you better, that you would be by your Holy Spirit the one that ministers to them. Be with their arrangements for the funeral. Be with the two little children that are left without a mum and a husband without a wife. Parents without a daughter. Brother and sister without a sister. Minister to them at this time. We ask and pray your blessing and power to preach the word and hide, Lord, me behind the cross. Lord, especially when Satan is exposed, he does not want that to be so. And bless the word as it goes forth in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> this morning, around four o'clock, I was just brushing up some things on the sermon and I, I lifted a book up and here, here is a little book. And I thought, have I read that one? <laughs> and I had put in it when I'd read it. Somewhere I put it in, 2004. And it was called Satan's Conflict with God. And I thought, well, maybe I should have read that before I prepared this sermon. But anyway, <laughs> I have read it, but it's been some time ago. And you know when you get old, you forget some things. Um, <clears throat> and then this during the week, so that was Satan's Conflict with God. This one is in the current Creation magazine. And what was God doing <laughs> before the world was created? Have you ever thought of that? He's existed for all eternity. What was he doing? Remember this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were fellowshipping in perfect unity and blessing for all eternity. We could ask the same question. What will we be doing when we get there? There'll be all eternity to do these things. And I, I believe it will be praising, glorifying, and worshipping the Lord. But there's some interesting questions, and as they put them here, uh, <clears throat> the biblical philosophy of history poses at least two problems to many minds. The first problem is this. This is the conclusion of this little book. <clears throat> in light of all the pain and suffering involved in the consequences of rebellion, why did God create his personal subjects with potential for rebellion? Have you ever been asked that question by an unsaved person? Yeah, they do. A thinking person, if God's God, why did he let any of this happen? Why did he let it go on? This is another way of asking why God made angels and men with a will of their own and the ability to choose between obedience and rebellion. The Bible doesn't answer this question. It would seem reasonable to assume, however, that God desired to enjoy fellowship with and to receive love and worship from his creatures. That's what we looked at when God dwells among men a few weeks ago. Genuine fellowship, love and worship are not forced or mechanical. They must be given voluntarily. Only persons who have a will of their own and the ability to choose are able to offer such things voluntarily. You're here voluntarily, unless you're a child that mum and dad brought you here. I was going to say dragged you along, but <laughs> you, you're here. And I pray that you are here voluntarily. You love to be here. Um, <clears throat> and it goes on and, and answers some of those questions and puts some other questions there. But I thought I'd just read that before we look at this historically. Historically, the battle of the ages has, has raged. It's, it had a starting point, did it not? The starting point, you know, was not on this 
on this earth. It was in heaven. And we won't turn to all these references, but I think they're written in the, I don't know how many Elise could fit in. I'm sorry, Elise. <laughs> the sermon was so long, the outline, but the setting is in heaven. Chapter 14 of Isaiah, there we see Satan or Lucifer said, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. There we see the setting of rebellion. Where did it start? It started in the devil's own heart whilst he was in the presence of the almighty God. You can hardly imagine why he would do such a thing. But he did, didn't he? He had a free will to choose as every angel had. And <clears throat> the next setting we see Satan in is, is in Ezekiel. So Isaiah 14, double 14, you get Ezekiel 28. And we have there the, the uh, king of Tyre. He uh, was very prosperous, Tyre was. It was a trading port city. And in those days, the cheapest way and the most effective way to move goods was by ship. And they had ships in those days, way back. <laughs> and uh, Rome, Rome got all its, most of its grain from Egypt because they couldn't grow it over there. And so the Roman Empire depended on the ships to get their grain there. But the, the ships of um, Tarsus, which it's believed to be England, were trading tin over to Tyra and the merchants of the Black Sea and the Mediterranean Sea were trading through the ports into Tyra. So king, the king of Tyra was a very pros prosperous person, a very prosperous city and he was lifted up with his pride and he is a picture of Satan. The king of Tyra likened to Satan, the anointed cherub that covereth, it reads in verse 14 of Ezekiel 28. Upon the holy mount of God. And it reads in verse 15, He was perfect in his ways till iniquity was found in him. And this cannot be the king of Tyra because the king of Tyra was born with iniquity in him. In this verse it refers in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15 that iniquity till iniquity was found in him. He was perfect in all his ways. That is describing Lucifer, Satan as we know him. And so the setting is in heaven and the battle begins right there between this rebellious angel who we believe, according to scripture, led one third of the angels to fall with him and rebel against God. What did God do? Well, he created man. He recreated man in his image, a little lower than the angels, according to Hebrews 2, verse 7 and 8. And one day, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 3, we will judge angels and the world, it reads in 1 Corinthians 6. And so you can see that this battle involves Satan, a created being who was perfect, who fell, because of pride in his own heart. We see God, who has always existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we see man now created. And the battle for man is what the Bible is about. <laughs> and it's raged for 
6,000 years so far. And it's not far, it's not far from being finished. We're at the end of it. <laughs> Satan's goal from then, that is when man was created on, has been to attack God's goal for mankind. God's goal is to dwell among us, as we discovered two weeks ago. To bring people to himself, to become his sons and daughters and his children. And so we see the, the background here and how this has developed with this battle that rages over mankind between God and Satan to gain the allegiance, the, the, the choosing of man to follow whom he wills. We're born children of the devil. We need to understand that. We choose to sin ourselves for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we will be held accountable for our action and our belief. Now, how did all this happen? Well, the scene is on earth in Genesis 3, where we go back to, the, we go back to that portion that was read by Brother Dunn this morning, verse, verses 1 to 7. We have the fall, where man, through his disobedience, handed Satan, as it were, the deeds, the title deeds of the earth, or the administration of the earth. Remember when God created man, he gave him the responsibility to keep the place, to look after the garden. Even before the fall, man was required to work. And so he was given the job of, and task of looking after. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, they handed the tenantship, as it is said, to the devil. The, he, he said to the Lord Jesus Christ, I will... You know, you fall down and worship me and I'll, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. That's what Satan said. And that's what he had. He had that. And one day when Jesus takes the sealed book in Revelation, as we've looked at, and opens that, he begins to get and does get back the title deeds that man gave to Satan, the tenantship of this world. And so <clears throat> the fall is the beginning of this disobedience where man disobeyed. God's response to thwart Satan's plan was, as in verse 15 we read, provide a redeemer. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Satan would bruise the redeemer's heel. But the Redeemer would crush the serpent's head. And this has been the battle that's been raging for all time. And will be finished in Revelation 20 and verse 10 where Satan is consigned to the pit. And we can say praise the Lord that he will be. Now how has this battle raged? And this is the, the brief of the Old Testament you could say. How has it raged throughout time? Well, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. The first murder we have. And so Satan is inspiring Cain to murder the godly seed. You see, Cain was a man, like many religions today, well, I will do all the things I can do with the works of my hands and I will please God. I will work my way to heaven. And God will have nothing to do with that. 
Nothing. Abel, on the other hand, offered a blood sacrifice with which was God pleased. The works of man's hand or the sacrifice that God had said they were to bring. Well, God accepted the sacrifice, but he didn't accept all this hard work that Cain had done. And what did Cain do? He got so mad, he killed his brother. And you, you, you could say that Satan was out to kill the godly line, killing the godly seed. He murdered his brother. And as it reads in John eight forty four, the devil is a murderer from the beginning. As it reads in one of the Gospels, from righteous Abel until the fellow that was killed in Jerusalem, all the blood will be brought upon this generation. As it reads, Jesus quoted and said that. And so by murdering the brother. God's response? Well, in chapter 4 of Genesis and verse 25, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and called his name what? Seth. And Seth is known as the godly lion. You see, God is not going to be defeated. God is the one that's going to win the victory. And you see, all through Scripture, Satan attacking, God responding. Well, really, we have it the other way around. <laughs> Satan is doing this dastardly deed all the way through to try to destroy God's purpose and program. But God will have the victory. He is the sovereign God of the universe. <clears throat> and he will have the victory. Notice back in chapter 4 and verse 1 of Genesis... We read, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Why did she say that? I've gotten a man from the Lord, you know, excitedly. Because God had promised in chapter 3 and verse 15, a redeemer. The, the, the redeemer would come and crush the serpent's head and change this mess we've got ourselves into. The fall and all the, the things that come from that. And so we can see even in, her, in Eve's thinking, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She thought the promised redeemer was coming now. Sadly mistaken, wasn't she? Because 6,000 years have come. Well, 4,000 years came and went, and then the redeemer did come. And then what they do to him? We'll see you later. They crucified him. <clears throat> so God's response was to give another godly seed. And he marked Cain, chapter 4 and verse 15. And then Satan attacked again by corrupting the human race. If, Genesis, if we go to Genesis chapter 6, and there's a lot of time gone in these, this little, these what, six chapters? 1,600 plus years have gone by. And here we see Satan trying to corrupt the human race. And we read in verse 2, And the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and took them wives of all that whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. 120 years, and God's going to bring a flood. And so Satan is trying to corrupt, some have said, the pedigree of man. The reference there to the sons of God, that phrase, wherever it is used, is always referring to angels. And I believe it to be so. That the pedigree, even the pedigree of man, was corrupted. The sons of God representing the angels saw the daughters of men. And God had to, had to wipe out all those before the flood, all those unbelieving people, 
And in the year that Methuselah died was when the flood happened. <laughs> and he lived the longest of all men. 969 years, was it? That he lived. It showed the grace of God upon the wicked and rebellious mankind. And so we have <clears throat> Satan attacking the human race itself. And God responding by bringing a flood in chapter 6 and verse 5. And God saw the wickedness man it was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And so God responded. And we have the flood. And we have the evidence of the flood all over the world. All over the world. Oh, even around here. <laughs> In the Lincoln Causeway, they were digging up gravel. They dug up logs, old logs from way down under, and there was black ass. I saw a few of them. I went over, and, and here they were, and they were cutting them up for furniture. And the fellow said, he's not a believer, he's at a Kiwa, he had them in a dam so they wouldn't go all twisty. And he said, they were buried about 5,000 years ago. And Buddy Smith and I were with him. And we looked at each other, the flood. And he said, what? <laughs> we said, the flood, Noah's flood. He didn't know what we're talking about. But they were buried down there in under the Murray River, about 150 feet down. And they were dragging them up and they were burning them there on the Lincoln Causeway. But then they found the value of them and they were making red gum. They were red gums. So they were here before the flood. And uh, <clears throat> he was making furniture out of them, but he had to cut them, bind them, and hold them all square until they dried so they didn't all twist up. And it was black red gum. If you could say it was coloured by the water. But the evidence of a flood is just near us. It's all around. I've dug 20 foot deep with the bulldozer. And down there you find another layer of topsoil. Another layer of subsoil. And another layer of clay. And it's all the stuff on top we dug was, has been buried. And <clears throat> so God caused that to happen. To... <laughs> reached down and take righteous Noah and his family. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In verse 8, Noah found grace there. And these are the generations of Noah, a just man and perfect in his generation. He hadn't been corrupted like the rest of the people on the planet. And spiritually, he was a righteous man. And Noah walked with God. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Folks, will he find you, a just man, perfect in your generations and walking with God when he comes? Shall he find faith when he comes? He, he's warned that. And so, <clears throat> Satan attacking, corrupting the pedigree of man. God responding by destroying mankind with the flood. Only 4,000 years ago. <clears throat> and as the scientists are doing more and more research, unsaved people, they're finding more and more that they, they, they have to deny the truth. That's what they're finding. Because the reality and the truth of the matter is the ice age they're talking about didn't happen millions of years ago. It's only happened <clears throat> around 4,000 years ago after the flood. After the flood. And you read up on the creation thing. Uh, many, many things you can read about that. The th next thing we see... <clears throat> Satan is attacking and battling God by causing man to unite against God. Chapter 9 of the book of Genesis. And we're not going to go this many pages at a time to get to the New Testament. We'll, be, we'll get there quickly. 
And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Fill the earth with people. Are we going to ever overpopulate the place? (laughs) Not according to God. He's given us this instruction to do this. It's not going to be too many people. It's only the greed of man that's stopping people from being fed. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast. So we, we have here what God told Noah to do. And over in verse 19 of chapter 9 of Genesis, these are the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread. So you're related to somebody or to one of these guys. Have you, have you traced your lineage? You know, you're doing all... <laughs> the world's doing that today. And you know? I look up your ancestry. Am I from Shem, Ham or Japheth? If you're Jewish or Middle Eastern, you may be from who? Shem. If you're... Uh, have to be careful here. <laughs> if you're from Ham, African, and through there. If you're from Japheth, and I think most of us are here today, from Japheth. We're descendants of, of Japheth. And the whole earth is overspread. And we filled the last one, Australia. Well, we haven't filled it yet, but they're trying to, aren't they? And we're going up pretty quick. It's a, I don't know how many we, Australia can support being mostly desert. But God knows, and it's not going to be too many when he finally comes. <clears throat> so man was told to do this just after the flood. But what did they do in chapter 11 and verse 4 of Genesis? And they said, Go to now, let us build us a city and tower whose top may reach to heaven and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. What had God said? Fill the whole earth, scatter. What did man do under the inspiration of Satan? Let's stay in one place. Let's build a world government. Let's be all under one head. Nimrod, Nimrod, the evil man, instructed the people and led the people to do this and this is only about 400 years after the flood look at God did when they rebelled the first time but here they rebelled again God's response is in chapter 11 and verse 7 go to let us go down and there confound their language and they that they may not understand one another's speech so the Lord scattered them abroad like he had told them to do upon the face of the earth Satan's trying to keep them together in one. What is Satan doing today? He's trying to bring in a one world government, all under one. Look, Mr. Trump over there is fighting against it, and he's kicking against it, saying we want to be independent. Now, as bad as what he does in his morality, he is trying to resist that. And everybody's throwing everything at him to say, no, we've got to unite. We've got to be all together. Yeah, you, have a, you listen behind the news to what's being done over there. Uh, <clears throat> there's other things going on. Satan has a plan, but God has a better one. <laughs> and he will, God will be victorious. So here, one world government. And it reads in these verses here, they're all in verse 6 of chapter 11 of Genesis, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be withheld or restrained from them which they imagine to do. If God had not confounded the languages back there, that's 2,000 years after creation, I believe we would have had the 20th century back then. 
nothing would be withheld from them that they imagine to do. What, what does man imagine to do now? Well, he wants to create life. He wants to go and populate Mars. He wants to go live on, on um, the moon. You can go if you want. I'm not. <laughs> this is the best place so far and is the only place, I think, that God has created for mankind. A special place, a jewel in one of the arms of the Milky Way. And they say if we weren't where we are in the Milky Way, we could not see the universe as we see it. And it's interesting. God's put us there to observe the universe if we're any closer in. And God has done a great thing for mankind to see the works of his hands spread out. Psalm 19. So here they could imagine to do anything, they think. And that's where man is now. The pride of man is pushed on by Satan now, I'm not against being industrious. I'm not against being inventive. Praise God for the things that have been invented in our lifetime. Um, who amongst us used to ride horses to school? <laughs> yes, Ross shared that the other day with me. No? No, you had a car. Right. <laughs> There's not many people left. But from in, in this generation, from riding horses, my, my parents and that, riding horses to school, to, to flying to the moon. Incredible. They imagine to do it and they've done it. You know, I praise God for it. But it's all an indication, as Daniel said, when knowledge shall be increased. Last day stuff. It's last days. So God's response was, well, give them all these different languages. <laughs> do you see a pattern developing through Scripture and only up to chapters 11 of Genesis? Who's in control? Who has the ultimate power? Who is calling the shots? God is. God is in control and he hasn't lost control yet and he never will. He is the Lord God Almighty. Then God chose a man. His name was Abraham who started a nation to tell and teach the nations of the world about himself. Abraham is his name. And in Genesis 12, you have there, and now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, to a land that I will show thee, and I will give you that land. And it's the Abrahamic covenant in chapter 15, verse 1 to 7, and chapter 17 in particular, if you go to Genesis 17, God made a covenant with this man Abraham. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I'll make my covenant between me and thee and multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Now, who is he talking to? When we say thee now, who came from Abraham? What nation? The Jews the Jews and there is a covenant that God made with them and that shall be a father to many nations and particularly the Jew in giving the oracles of God as the Lord Jesus said to them had been given these great privileges and uh, <clears throat> you read on in the covenant there but God gave other covenants he gave the Mosaic covenant which covenant they broke and which covenant was only a temporal one until the perfect covenant came there's a palestinian covenant about the land there's a davidic covenant about a king 
2 Samuel 7.16. And there's a new covenant that we'll look at to conclude today. An unconditional new covenant. Now, God has not dismissed these covenants and said they're of no value anymore. Let's just turn to a couple of verses in Romans chapter 11 and verse 26. It is very important to see that. Because as you read about these Old Testament covenants with his particular chosen people, Israel, they're still on. They're they're still in God's focus. They're still going to happen. What's the problem in the Middle East between Jew and all those that live around them? Who owns the land? Well, God owns the land and God has given it to a particular nation. And he will fulfill this covenant as he's promised in Romans 11 and verse 26. So all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, the Lord Jesus. And Israel there is not referring to the church, it's referring to Israel. And shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, this is my covenant unto them, notice that, when I shall take away there the Jewish nation's sins. As concerning the gospel, they, the Jews, are enemies for your Christians' sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. God has elected them. God has chosen them. In verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance or they're irrevocable. God has said he will do something. He will do it. That cannot be changed. It's irrevocable. And so God... Satan, in his battle, is causing man to unite against God. God responds by confusing the languages. God responds by choosing a nation. God responds by giving that nation all the promises and the covenants of the, of the Old Testament to that nation. And so what does, he, what does Satan now do? Well, he focuses his attack on the nation of Israel from within and from without by idolatry, compromise, corruption. What does God respond by doing? He chooses judges to judge the people, to lead the people. He chooses kings, though against his initial will there, he lets them have a king, King Saul and David. He he gives them a place to worship. He gives them the oracles of God. God is responding against this, this satanic attack throughout the ages. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 11 and verse 1. <clears throat> Satan attacks by trying to kill the royal seed. You see, David was promised through his lineage would come the Messiah. There would be always a king on the throne. It mentions that in 2 Samuel 7 and verse 16. In 2 Kings chapter 11 and verse 1. And when Athaliah, the mother of Azariah saw that her son was dead. She rose and destroyed the seed royal. Satan was going to destroy the, li- the line through which the Messiah was coming, and she destroyed the s- seed royal. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jerom, sister of Azariah, took Josiah, the son of Azariah, and stole him from among the king's sons that, who were slain, and they hid him. Even him and his nurse in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. 
and he was with her with her hidden in the house of the Lord six years and Athaliah did reign over the land and then what happened <laughs> well the priest Jedediah bought Josiah out and anointed him as the king and Athaliah was enraged and she was saying treason treason in verse 14 <laughs> and it wasn't treason she is the one that committed treason by slaying all the king's sons and that was the, the a devil inspired thing to do so Satan tried to wipe out the seed royal through whom the Lord would come and in Matthew the first chapter of Matthew, you have the lineage of the Lord traced back to King David. Why? Because that's where he was going to come through, the lineage of David. There would be a king sitting on the throne related to David. And Messiah came who was related to David. And so God's response, he thwarted Satan's plan by using these people to save the king Josiah, the boy king. Seven years old he was when he began to reign. The next thing that Satan attacked by was so corrupting Israel's royal lion and nation. He used spiritual adultery and harlotry to do this. You see, <clears throat> God's response was, and we have to really wrap it up, but God's response was that he would send this nation into captivity. And the, he had Isaiah, he had Jeremiah, who were before they were sent. And during the time of being ca um, captivated by the Babylonians, taken captive. And then Ezekiel and Daniel, he sent them to tell them what was going on. And that they had been sent up there to discipline them. He sent the minor prophets and the majority of them were before they went into captivity to warn them. You think of spiritual adultery, you think of Hosea. And that was the first of the minor prophets and his wife and her wickedness in sin, committing, committing adultery as she did. And that was likened to Israel. And so Satan was trying to corrupt the nation, corrupt the lion, the seed. But God responded by sending these prophets to stay the lion, to hold the fort. And he sent them into captivity, Jeremiah 25, 11. And then they came back from captivity 70 years later. That's about a, just over 500 years before Christ. They come out of captivity back to the land under Ezra and Nehemiah. And what did they do? Well, they were determined to keep the truth. They set up the Sanhedrin eventually, who produced the scribes, the Talmud, that in Jesus' day was, was a wicked thing, really. Because this was man's way of reaching God. They produced the Talmud. And Satan was using that. And they had all these laws. They weren't allowed to do this. They added to the word of the Lord, which God has forbidden man to do. They added to it. Even though they'd been taken captive, they'd been disciplined, they'd been given all these prophets to, to warn them about going to spiritual adultery and away from God but God made a covenant with them and let's turn to that we'll look at it in the Old Testament New Testament and we'll finish for today Jeremiah 31 God made a covenant this is God's counteracting what Satan was trying to do in corrupting the nation 
Remember what Jesus said, ye are of your father, the devil. That was the people that ran by the Talmud, the Jewish way of supposedly serving God. <clears throat> Jeremiah, where is he? Jeremiah 31 and verse 32. We read there, <clears throat> And not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, the Mosaic covenant, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And that is, has not happened to the Jewish nation yet. It is yet to happen. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. They do not recognize God. They know there is a God, but they're not worshipping the God of the, of the Bible. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, and I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Thus saith the Lord, who giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and the stars by night, who divideth the sea, its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances, that is, of the sun and the moon and the stars, depart before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall cease from being a nation. And folks, they're not going to disappear. The sun's not going to go out until the Lord chooses to in eternity, if he does. And the nation of Israel will exist. And this is the new covenant that he's making, has made with Israel. He will bring them back. But as beneficiaries of the new covenant... It had to be enacted by the shedding of blood. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. We are beneficiaries of the new covenant. We are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, washed in the blood of the Lamb, as the songwriter has put it. Book of Hebrews chapter 8. The battle rages. Satan is doing this. God is responding and doing that. Satan responds and God continually has the victory and will have the victory. Here in Hebrews 8 and verse 6, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Better, better, better. The Lord Jesus is. For if the first covenant had been faultless, Mosaic covenant, he should not have been, there should not have been a place sought for the second covenant. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, and say the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the nation of Israel, and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. Have we not just read that? In Jeremiah chapter 31. And led them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, they broke the Mosaic covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts, and I'll be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Exactly what we read in Jeremiah 31. You see, Satan has tried to destroy the nation of Israel. Satan is want, wants to get rid of the nation of Israel. If he can get rid of the nation of Israel, there'll be no kingdom. God cannot keep his promises to the nation of Israel, but God will. 
and God will be victorious. He's made this covenant with them. In verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 8, in, in that he saith, a new covenant he, say, he hath made the first old, the mosaic, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Early writers of the New Testament. Chapter 9 and verse 12 of Hebrews. The covenant is ratified by the blood, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, the Lord Jesus' own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for who? Us, Christians. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We are the beneficiaries of the new covenant before the Jewish nation. <laughs> For 2,000 years, God has been calling out a people who believe they are washed in the blood of the Lamb, who are covered by the blood, who are cleansed by the blood. There is no forgiveness of sins but through the blood. Almost all things that by the law are purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. And so, you see, Satan has tried to stop this happening. <coughs> Satan tried to kill the Lord Jesus as a babe. But God had his sovereign way, <laughs> and they fled to Egypt. And on and on the story goes. Satan is doing this. God is responding and counteracting and thwarting the plan of the devil. Who's going to be victorious eventually? Are these covenants are going to be fulfilled to the nation of Israel? Yes, they will. God is not finished yet. The end of the story has been told, but it's not been enacted. It's coming. I pray today that you're under the blood, that you're a beneficiary of the new covenant and how it has been enacted through the shedding of the Lord Jesus Christ's blood. Are you saved? Are you trusting in the blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I pray that you are. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that though this battle rages and we are down here on earth and we cannot see the devil, we cannot see you, but, Lord, we know from the scriptures that these things are so. You do exist. Satan does exist. The fight is on. The battle rages. And we've only touched on a few points of the Old Testament where we've seen Satan trying to thwart the program and plan of God, but God has his plan and he has fulfilled it thus far and will carry it out to the last jot and tittle. Lord, bless your people. And if there's people here today, someone that's a soul that's not saved, may they trust in the blood of the Lamb for the, sh for the cleansing of their sin. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can be saved but by him. Bless them with salvation as they believe today that that is the case, that they are sinners and need to be cleansed through the blood of the Lamb. No other way. And may Satan's plan for an individual here today be thwarted by the power and purpose of God in that individual's life by trusting the Lord Jesus. Bless us, those who are Christians, Lord. We have a great future. 
resting upon the promises of God and look forward to going to be with you. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.